Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, Pastor Jaina continues challenging us with the question, are we an Acts Church? Well, we've been in a series um, going through Acts, and we're, the question that was raised to Pastor Krista and I, are we an Acts Church? And this week, we've seen God move in mighty ways. I've had testimonies just kind of flooding in of people who've led um, people to the Lord and shared their faith. And there's been experiences of just incredible deep hunger and and a praise report, farmers were getting in the fields. Yay, God, right? (laughs) That's so good. Let's just pray. Keep going, right? (laughs) Crandall, here. Yes, amen. Um, So God is answering prayers in so many ways. And... um, We're just blessed to be able to be a part of this. And last week we looked at scriptures and acts and we went through just miracle signs and wonders in the first half and we're gonna look at the second half today. But as I was preparing this, the Lord kept stirring in me Psalm 8. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it, but I felt really led to just declare this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of your children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild and birds of the sky and the fish in the sea and all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's just say that together. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Do you just feel that honor and glory that's due his name? You know, as we are studying the miracle signs and wonders and people being added to the church by the thousands, by the hundreds, and literally we read last week how whole cities were saved. That comprehension in 2019 is so difficult. And we want to see what it would look like. What does it look like to be a church of the New Testament that truly was laid out for us in in the word? And part of it was they were so in awe of God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. They were in awe of who God was and what Jesus had just done for them, that he was raised from the dead and that he is seated in heaven. They were in awe of who he was and what he was doing in their lives. We looked at many miracles. We saw jailbreaks because angels showed up. We saw Peter boldly proclaiming the gospel and places being filled with the Holy Spirit and um, that signs and wonders followed and that hundreds and thousands were added to the church daily. They laid hands on the new believers and people were getting saved in Jerusalem and in Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth because remember it started in Jerusalem and it went out from there and they were undone in Acts because all of a sudden Jews were becoming Christians but so were the Gentiles, unheard of. In Saul's conversion, that supernatural conversion where he was struck blind and Saul was what? A wicked, wicked man. He was the biggest persecutor of Christians and he was struck blind and a man named Ananias came and 
prayed for him, he got saved, and he began to preach the gospel. This wicked man turned in a day to know Jesus Christ. In Acts 10 and 11, we read about Cornelius' whole household being saved. And we went after that last week in prayer that households would be saved, that the prodigals would come home. Because in the scriptures, we're gonna read about it again this week, of households being saved. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As these parents stood here today and declared that over their households and over their families. As for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. Once again, we saw another jailbreak with Peter and angels showing up. And the cities would gather for the message. In one place, whole city gathered to hear the gospel in Acts 13. In Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas confirmed the message with signs and wonders. And the lame man began to walk. And the things that we learned last week is the testimonies of what God was doing began to spread. And as they shared the testimonies, more and more were added to the church. Are we in Acts Church? The testimonies of Jesus, it says in Revelation, is the spirit of prophecy and it's what he wants to do again. And it's shown in Acts, like let's do it again. In Acts 16, that's where we're gonna start this week, at verse five, and just as we were last week, this is gonna be rapid fire. So get ready, church, because we're gonna go through a lot in a short amount of time. I want us to just pray over our hearts and that the word of God would just come alive in us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus and that he was the word of God made flesh and he dwelt among us. We thank you that we have the word of God to see the way to know you and to know and to live life in the fullest and the most abundant that we can live. And God, I thank you that we are called to represent you on the earth. And so God, as we look in the scriptures today, I ask that you awaken in our hearts Awaken in the areas that we need to set our trajectory back to what you've called us to do and to be as a church. So God, we thank you. We say, have your way in our heart today. Speak to us. Pastor Chris prophesied that over us in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 16, we're gonna look at um, verse five. And this is a... Timothy is joining Paul and Silas, and I just wanted us to just look at verse five. The church was strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers, and I just wanted to pause at that. This wasn't a once in a while salvation. This was a daily occurrence of people stepping out in their faith and sharing the gospel, and that people were getting saved and signs and wonders were following. It was the daily occurrence that took place. In uh, verse nine, we're gonna go move on to um, eight. So they passed by and they went down to Rosa. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Remember, we're talking about the miracle signs and wonders and those things that make us wonder and that we don't quite understand. Well, Paul was getting a vision in the night, which is more than likely a dream. And in that dream, he had to go to Macedonia. So instantly, he gets up and obeys God. There's something in these scriptures that's a key in Acts is they would hear from God or have this impression or they'd have an angel visitation, but then the next step took a man being obedient or a woman. There was instant obedience. 
Remember when the Lord talks about when he hear, if my children hear my voice, you know, they listen to me. In that is that obedience that is wholehearted, joyful, and instantaneous. The obedience of saying yes to him and saying, this is what he told me to do. And Paul was, had this dream and he was instantly asked, go, and he went. So let's look at, um, move on to Paul and Silas, because now they're going to get thrown in prison. <laughs> they're obedient and it doesn't matter the outcome, does it? We just listen to God and we just go for what he's told us to do. It's not ours to get people to saved. It's not ours to help them make that decision. It's not ours for someone to get healed. It's his. And it's all his for his glory. It's ours to just be obedient on earth. In between these scriptures, he discerns a spirit within a woman and he casts out this evil spirit and she was a slave and the slave keepers were pretty upset that this happened and so he gets thrown, they get thrown in prison. Um, he, they were put into the inner cell and their feet's, feet were fastened into stocks. So on verse 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoner had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights. He rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. I want to pause here. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. This is one of the only few times that that word for saved is used outside the gospels of Jesus Christ. It's the word sozo. And it means that not only were they saved, but they were healed and that they were set free and made whole. Their emotional being was set free. Their physical being. Their salvation happened in that moment. That 180 was so incredibly supernatural what God did to that man, that jailer and his household. The same with the woman with the issue of blood. When she grabbed the hem of, God's, of Jesus' garment, she was sozoed. She was saved. She was healed. She was set free. She was made whole. Let's continue. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all the household was baptized. In the middle of the night, did you catch that? The quick obedience. When I lived in Russia, it was shortly after the curtain came down, and that was the obedience of those believers. They were coming to the Lord by the hundreds, if not the thousands. And as they came to the Lord, they had the revelation, we need to be water baptized. We want to be filled with the Spirit. And instantly they would ask, day or night, the river was freezing. Can we just go be baptized? There's this de desire to be baptized, to make that public declaration of saying, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this era, this would put them in harm's way. They could have been imprisoned for that public declaration. We have brothers and sisters in Christ today who are in that same place in Syria and Iran and Iraq and then all over the Middle East and North Africa and North Korea and in China who make that public declaration. And in that moment, they have the opportunity as they're making that public declaration to know this might cost me my life and more than likely will. When we do it here, there's no cost, really. 
You might be embarrassed because he got wet in front of everyone at church. Their, their public declaration means something, and it did in this day as well. So the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Do you remember that joy of your salvation? He was filled with joy, that joy of his salvation. His whole household was saved. Let's turn on to Acts 18. Now we're in the church of Corinth. And you're going to learn more about Corinthians as the scriptures go on in the New Testament. But I'd like us to turn to um, 7. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus, Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. Pause. He was the synagogue leader. Remember I said last week, they influenced culture by their obedience to Christ. As people were getting saved, culture was being influenced. The religious were coming to the Lord. Kings and queens and officials were coming to know Jesus. And here is one case of that. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. It's starting a movement within this church. One night in this city, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Can you imagine if you have a red letter Bible? Do you know what red letter means? That it's the words of Jesus? It, that's in red letters, which probably more than likely means that he heard the audible voice of Jesus speaking to him. Those red letters saying, stay here, I'm going to protect you. So they stayed, and they led more to the Lord. They were able to disciple people for a year and a half in that region. Um, let's turn to Acts 19. All right, in verses, uh, we're going to start... At verse 2, did you, they're asking, Paul's now in Ephesus, and he's asking them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard of that, there, that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed their hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men. So just as that, they heard, they were hungry for what God had. They'd heard about the baptism of John, and now they heard about baptism of Jesus. They got water baptized, and then he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to... Um, Let's move down. Um, this went on for two years in verse 10. So that all the Jews and Greeks who live in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. All the Jews and all the Gentiles heard the word of the Lord in the province, did you hear that, of Asia. It's spreading out further. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. So if the people couldn't get to him, they'd pray over something and that something was sent to that city and laid on him and they would be healed. Does 2019 church look like that? <laughs> 
Some of you know about the healing rooms. We have some in Bismarck. They're all over the world. And um, it's a place where it's interdenominational. A lot of churches gather and they pray for the sick and they set up appointments like doctor appointments and the people come in and they say, what do you have? And then they say, okay, we're gonna go pray for you. And they pray for them and they're seeing testimonies again and again and they have testimony writers that log the testimonies. And one time Ted and I were speaking at a conference and um, the man who started the healing rooms was there and... um, the modern day healing rooms. It was also started earlier, but um, he was telling us about a testimony that happened in South Africa. And in a neighboring country, there was a woman, I gotta get it right because I wrote it down. I don't wanna make any mistakes. In the neighboring country, there was this little girl who had a brain tumor that was so severe it had distorted her skull and she was in a lot of pain and they couldn't transport her because of how um, she was so fragile and it was quite a distance. And so they requested that the healing rooms would send someone. And they had this brilliant idea as they were praying and reading the word. They're like, well, we could pray on something and send it to her. And they thought, that will take a long time. How about if we pray on something and put it in the fax machine, a picture of it, and send it? Creative. So they did that. Because the mail was super slow and sometimes it never even got to them, they said. And so they, they prayed over it. They anointed the cloth. They put it on the copy machine. They took the copy machine, put it on the fax machine. And when they received it, they put it on the little girl's head and just tied it kind of on so it would stay on. And what happened over the next three days, she broke in this incredible sweat for three days. And as she began to sweat, her skull began to go like this, and she was totally healed, and the tumor was fully disappeared. Signs and wonders that make us wonder. Those awe of God. But the testimony then goes out to the region in South Africa that God is moving, that Jesus is alive, that he's here for salvation and for us, for that personal, intimate relationship with Christ. Let's look at, continue in Acts 19. All right. Verse 18, many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. So there's this open repentance of what they had done, sins. All of a sudden, the presence of God is there. We gotta get rid of anything that doesn't honor him, right? So the presence of God is there, and they openly begin to confess. And a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Not only did they repent, they began to burn the things that cost them money. Like these were valuable things in the world's eyes. They were so radical for God that they got rid of anything that dishonored him. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Their obedience and their radical transformation allowed the word of God to continue on and to move. Are we that radical? Are there things, do you let God like take that microscope in your life and say, you know, this in your life doesn't really honor me anymore. And this right here, I don't like your attitude there. Are we gonna be that church that's willing to just purify, just go burn it, go get rid of stuff in our house, change our lifestyle that doesn't honor him and serve him? What happened was the word of the Lord spread wildly and grew in power when they made that radical obedience of repentance. It was radical. God moved. Does 2019 church look like the New Testament church? It's my question today for us. In Acts 20, we're going to continue. 
Paul is traveling around and encouraging the disciples and speaking to the Romans and Jews and, in, and the Asians. So he's hitting a lot of a region now. And let's go to verse 7, where Eutychus is raised from the dead. <laughs> this is some good stuff. <laughs> On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Okay, hello. I know, I'm watching you. I can see faces, I know. Ted's been on call and he's like sinking. When... When he was um, sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Now, we've seen other miracles where Tabitha was raised from the dead. We saw it. We were, we've been reading about these miracles of the dead being raised in Acts. This is the first time where it says that he threw himself on him. I can't, it would be quite a scene. He threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again. He broke bread and ate. Because eating is important after the dead's raised, right? After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. <laughs> I think they were more than comforted. They had to be wildly excited. He was raised from the dead. I just want to highlight, you know, God was moving in wild and amazing ways. He was obedient to go just throw himself on that dead body and pray for it. Um, it says in Paul, he goes on to say in 19, I serve the Lord with great humility, with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. In humility, they're serving God with great tears for people's lives. They were so real. They loved God so much and others so well. They were passionate about this. And continue on, it says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's what his whole passion was about. God changed my life. Jesus came in and everything changed. I'm gonna testify to the ends of the earth how good he is. That's the thing that drove him day after day. In another um, a translation, it says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, to task the task to testify to the good news of God's grace. We are called to be his witnesses. We are called to testify of who he is. Acts 21 through 26, I'm just gonna put in one big pile here. <laughs> Paul's imprisoned, he's beaten, he's put on trial to be put to death. There was a price he paid for his radical life. It was a huge price he paid. He was transferred to many different places and regions, and he was sent to different prisons. He shared his story and testimony to many leaders and religious leaders of nations. As he was transferred, the word of God didn't stop. He just kept testifying. It didn't matter where they sent him. To prison, he kept testifying about Jesus 
everywhere he went. He was praying for those who were persecuting him, influencing kings and governors and religious leaders. It says he prayed for those who persecuted him. We're called to rule and reign with Christ. We're called to bring that influence in every area of our society, just like he did. We think it might be, let me be president. That sounds maybe a little easier or glamorous. How did he use Paul to influence kings? He used him in prison. He used him in a really difficult place to be an influence in the society around him. God has called you to represent him on the earth, to represent him, to bring him to the, everywhere that you go, every place that our feet tread, it's given to him and we're able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In Acts 26, verse 29, it says, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these not being in chains, except for the chains. I pray that you do exactly that I'm doing, sharing the gospel, testifying, praying for the sick, having signs and wonders, but I pray you don't have to be in chains for it, right? I take that. You know, and then as, as the chapters continue, God speaks to him again audibly. Paul has a vision and discernment and he, the gift of wisdom is operating. He was shipwrecked and then he's bitten by a viper and was not harmed. And then 28 verses 28 and, eight and nine, it says on that island of Malta, Paul went to the chief official of the island and prayed for his father who was sick and he was healed. After that, The rest of the islanders that were sick came to him and they were all cured. They were all healed. They were all cured of whatever disease they had. Paul's life, whether he was in prison, whether he was eating and enjoying and sharing and discipling people, didn't matter where he was. His life was just given over to Jesus. Whether he's on this island stuck, (laughs) he still shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where are you landing? Let's think of us in 2019 as a church in the body of Christ. Our influence that we have, think about your week, think about your day. Where you go matters. You're representing Jesus Christ. You're representing him. You're bringing him into those places. Wherever you go, I want us to be so compelled by God that it's, we're over and undone by him. This week I've gotten a number of emails and texts of people just saying, I'm just so undone by what God's doing. And they're sharing testimonies of sharing their faith, of God moving in their lives, of sensing his presence like they'd never sensed before. And they're like, I am undone. But when we are undone, we need to take that next step like Paul did and just begin to testify of God's goodness. As Peter did, as Simon, as all of these again and again in Acts, as we look through so many people's lives, Stephen even on to death, as he declared the testimony of Jesus and signs and wonders followed them. It's what we're created to do. Does the 2019 church look like that New Testament church? I want it to. I want our trajectory to go, yes, this is who we are. We're so full of fire and so full of his presence. Without miracles, we don't have a life of faith, right? (laughs) We don't. Only um, Jesus set this incredible example in John 8. He says, "I I only do what I see my father doing. And that's how he lived his life. We should only do what we feel our God is telling us to do. That means us spending time with him and getting to know him and doing what he has asked us to do. And miracles also require response of the person who receives it. It's an incredible response. Like, you just had a life-changing moment. 
Some of the testimonies of the babies that were born, I just wish we had more time sharing the testimonies of God's goodness, of the miracles that I'll start crying. As we've contended with moms and dads for life-changing things, and those testimonies are the spirit of prophecy. It's for that next parent to hear and say, yeah, God, do it again for my family. This is for me. We've had incredible miracles of babies and again and again this year. But miracles also brought repentance because all of a sudden, this presence of this holy living God comes on them and they can't not repent. He's so worthy of everything. He's so worthy of us cleaning up our lives and serving him with everything that we have. And the signs and wonders cause people to believe. It says again and again, they spoke boldly and signs and wonders came and hundreds were added to the church. Sometimes even in Acts, thousands were added. And it was interesting. Miracles followed the believers. What we learned even that Peter's shadow healed. Many were coming to Jesus on a normal daily occurrence. Regions were saved. What does it look like in 2019? As I was watching, you know, I love football. As I was watching football and I was thinking, you know, Tua and his brother are saved and really radical. And anyone watch the Alabama game? I thought, what if all of a sudden something happened where they can share the gospel? Someone had a dream in the church where that happened. And I thought, what if there's this however many thousands, it was like 50,000, 60,000 people in that stadium. I'm like, what if they got to share the gospel that day? Or what if someone got healed and they were able to see it? I thought, oh my word, thousands would be added to the church today. You know, today we have another football game. Who knows? We have a lot of Christians who play football. Thousands could be added. (laughs) Their voice could mean something. As they step out boldly and pray for an injured teammate and they're fully healed, as I saw people going off injured, not that I was sad about jackrabbits getting injured, but anyway, <laughs> but as they were, a lot of them got injured yesterday. Did you notice that? And I was just like, what if, you know, someone prayed for them and they were healed? It would have been amazing. Anyway, not to bring football into sermons, but it's where my mind went as I've been studying Acts. What does it look like for 2019? These are some things that it looks like. You know, I, a friend of ours um, was in, in well, I was a grocery store, actually Safeway, and he was um, praying for someone in line and they got healed and they were just undone. I mean, just like, I'm healed. I'm healed. I don't have pain anymore. It totally left. Well, I kind of started spreading, and you know how you're standing in line, he prayed, you know, I have this, and so he prayed for the next person, and they got healed, and then the next person, this is at Safeway, and all of a sudden, the person with, you know, who's sitting there doing the checkout lady grabs the mic, if you need healing, come to aisle eight, because um, I don't know, people are getting healed, I mean, they didn't have the language for it, they didn't know what to say, if you hurt, come to aisle eight at Safeway, you know. And it was, ended up being this little revival. He shared the gospel. People got saved. That's what it looks like in 2019. At Walmart, at Hornbachers, wherever. <laughs> we pursue that holiness and that righteous living, that quick obedience. God wants us all in. I, I think of so often there's no plan B, you guys. We're in that one plan. We're going to serve him with all our heart, all our strength, all our mind, everything that's within us. We're going to serve him. 
So in closing, I just want us to go through some prayer things that were taught in Acts today. I want us to just think about things in our lives that we want to repent of. Think about things that we want to go after and just allow Holy Spirit to move in our personal lives. So I want a response for us to be, let's just listen to God right now. And I want us to pray through a few things. Is that all right? All right, let's just close in prayer. But Heavenly Father, is there anything in our lives that we are holding on to from the past? God, I pray over each one of us. Lord, if there's things that we need to burn, there's things in our home we need to get rid of, if there's life changes we need to make, I ask that we do it. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you give us the strength to do it. You give us the wisdom, even how to walk holy and purely before you, Jesus. And Lord, I ask for endurance in our lives. God, any, many people in this room are in the middle of waiting for God to move in a miracle, in a healing, in something that they have been praying for, in a prodigal to come home, in their household to be saved, and we need endurance. And so God, we just settle today you're good and that you're in this, that you're moving in our behalf. Even when we're not seeing it, you're moving, just like that song declares, we love that song. You're a way maker. You're moving when we don't see it. We just hold on to the truth that you are good and that if we haven't seen the good yet, we're not to the end. And the word of God is powerful, God. We thank you for the miracle signs and wonders. I ask today that we would fall more in love with you and more in love with your word. That as we study acts together, that we would fall in love with what you're doing in our lives and love with you in a greater measure, which would cause us to love the world. It would compel us to share. Jesus was moved with compassion. God, I ask that you increase our love and our compassion for others. I ask that you expand our abilities and our capabilities to love. That we can't not share the gospel. That we must obey God rather than man. That's what they were saying in Acts. We don't want, we don't have to obey man. We have to obey God. We have to do what he says, even if it means going to prison. And God, I just pray for each one of us that fresh touch or that you just baptize us afresh today. We would walk with you in, in strength and courage, that we would really be strong and courageous, that we would truly walk in that. I pray as we look at our weak God, that we are able to make way for you to come, that we actually pause our life and say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing for us today? In this space, in our life, in our family, in our homes, in our businesses, in our offices. God, we make a way for you to move. We say, interrupt our days, God. Interrupt them, even if it's at aisle eight in Safeway. And we just thank you, God, for what you're doing. And we say, continue. We thank you for the testimonies. And we ask, God, that you continue to move. Do it again, God. Do it again. Thank you, Jesus. And lastly, Lord, I just ask in our response, Lord, we look at the church in 2019, and I just want our trajectory to go back to what it looked like in New Testament. What does it look like to be an Acts church? What in our lives need to change that we just begin to move closer to what that looks like? God, I ask that you just move in each one of us. I don't know what it is for everyone individually, but that you would move in our hearts. That we would turn 
our hearts and our affections totally to you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.